0: Hello everyone, so welcome to episode 44 of Teh rate with Walid And today we will have uh, a civil society legend A former nominated member of parliament, Ms. Bremamati, Mati And she will be sharing with us her thoughts on the NMP scheme On civil society in general, perhaps even if we have time on race in Singapore Uh, on the GRCs because she has done some work on this as well so I'm absolutely delighted to have her she had a chapter in this book which I previously discussed with with uh, former NMP Antia Ong who is the editor of this book she has a chapter in it and uh, in this she argues Brema, Brema did she argues that the the NMP scheme has basically outrun its course and it's no longer relevant so, and that is pretty provocative. Uh, let's see uh, how she substantiates her arguments later on. Oh, okay, uh, that was easy. Yes.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Did I come in at the wrong time? No,
0: Sorry. no, it's at the, at the perfect timing. So how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm good. Had a very busy day. So now I'm like trying to get into this groove. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. So what, how are your days like usually now?
1: Oh, right now, I don't know why I've gotten myself into very busy weeks for the last um, six weeks. I I don't know what's happening, but you commit and then you got to carry it through, right? Yeah. Okay. So
0: so this is mostly civil society engagement? uh,
1: Civil society and some contract work. Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: Okay. So first of all, thank you for agreeing to be here. I'm very honored. I mean, as I said just now, you're quite a legend. I think for yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean for people who who are involved in civil society, you would know that you are one of the uh, most prominent uh, activists. You know, most outspoken at times. Uh, and uh, I am happy to have you here. So let's let's start off with your chapter, right? So so you think the NMP scheme has mm-hmm. outrun its course? Uh, uh,
1: thanks, Walid, uh, for the data rate. And uh, let's see where we go with this. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I argued in that chapter that, yes, it has outrun its cause. But I also put in, and, and, and also I placed it within an ecosystem uh, in terms of parliamentary processes and parliamentary structures. So one of it is I talked about the NCMP scheme, that right now it is the best, Loser in a GE that gets a, a position there. A one or, uh, Sorry, I forget the numbers now. 12, six to, six 12 to
0: minus X, yeah. That's 12 right. minus X, yeah. Ah,
1: thank you. So that began, I, I found the dates very interesting. It began in 1984. I make an argument that that because they work quite hard, eh, whatever year you look at the NCMPs, they do work quite hard and they are given small allowance like, uh, like NMPs. So we might as well just cut through that whole process and let them be a full um, non-elected MP rather than carry on with an NCMP in quite a marginalised approach. The other thing that I also raise, I, I'll just go through very quickly, gallop through it. I, I talked about how in 1987, The government started the government parliamentary committee, almost like a shadow cabinet, which is in its own way good because we have a memos ruling party by numbers. Then in 1998, the group representative constituencies began GRC. Then in 1990 came the NMP scheme. So it's part of quite a number of structures that were going on within parliamentary structures to try and create some... Space for some level of opposition voices. So the NMP scheme came in. I think when the time it came in, it functioned very well because there was a lacuna in its own way for strong opposition voices. That doesn't mean therefore all the opposition voices came from the NMPs. That would be, this is not a zero-sum game. So there were some diverse voices that came from NMPs as well as NCMPs. As well as the G- GPC group. Parliamentary Committee because some of them them were headed by quite strong elected MPs who did quite a lot of groundwork and then they pushed in quite a number of interesting issues. But over time, over the decades, NMP scheme is 32 years old now. Over the decades, especially if we look at the NMP book, wonderful work done by Anthea and her team, Reina. But it is also quite clear that quite a number of the more recent batches of NMPs volunteered their views. Some of us in the older batches, I'm in the 9th and 10th, huh? uh, not enough of us have, but this is voluntary, so uh, and, uh, Antia and her team have tried the best. So what I'm saying is, We have to plot the progression of the NMP scheme over the years and its relevance. So coming back to the question that you have asked, I feel today, uh, and that was the last part of my chapter, looking at the environment that we have, highly, um, and I think Mr. Tarman, um, uh, what's his total Title, sorry, senior coordinating. As, and, of, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Chairman uh, <laughs> gave a recent good speech that is on his website. He has mapped out what are some of the global tensions we are facing. But I just want to highlight certain bits of what we are facing. We are facing a huge onslaught of different voices on social media, different forms, instant podcasts, Instagram. That I'm just picking up through you, <laughs> right? (laughs) so i find that there is this thing that is coming consuming us also and we are being consumed by it therefore i find that parliament parliament then has to become a stronger debater a stronger sector of values norms etc therefore Who should be the persons within parliament? It comes back to us, citizens. We have to put in elected MPs. And to put in elected MPs, not to say that all the nominated MPs have done a bad job. Uh, These are two separate discussions I'm having. I feel under elections, the candidate has to really give a good portrayal of issues. More importantly, the political parties have to evolve, mature, they are maturing. They have to all evolve to a state where we get strong manifestos, even though sometimes information is not so easy when we look at data, such that we can make better decisions. Therefore, while I'm saying that the NMP scheme needs to be phased out, in the last part, I also make suggestions that by 2040, it should be over. I didn't say tomorrow. Huh? So by 2040 means at least maybe another three GEs or so. Uh, Twenty, I can't remember what I put it. Yeah, yeah there will be at least a few more selection processes of NMP but we make a determined time that it needs to be phased out so that opposition parties, parties I'm not saying one, opposition parties grow, offer all good alternatives and this is also a problematic word eh? because I feel we keep using it. What do we mean by good alternatives? We have to look Mm. at manifestos quite clearly opposition political parties need to come out very strongly early, not nearer election dates and then say, here's my manifesto so that we have choices. But can this happen? I find one of our um, restrictions that we would face would be the GRC scheme. It would still be there. uh, uh, That would put a lot of pressure on both opposition parties as well as me as a voter. My one vote, where does it go? And do we, how do we have an equal platform of candidates that are equally positioning themselves so right. well, i know it go on so no I no no.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no that was good there was a lot in there thank you so much yeah. thank you so much so i went, i wanted to pick up on, uh, on yeah. a couple of things so one you said the parliament should be the 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 institution that sets the norms and values W- uh, for the for
1: sets yeah. the norms and values in terms of being the arbiter quite strongly Ah, right, right, right. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you okay. for that. That's good. No, no, uh, no. Very good that you asked. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because I, uh, because I was thinking, yes, that is true. I, I mean, I definitely agree about the arbiter because parliament is supposed to reflect yeah. societal values, right? More than setting. Of course. I mean, it's not. It's not an either or. Uh, uh-huh. So so yeah so yeah thank you for that. The other is we'll, we'll get to the GRC right. Uh, so one of the I think Arun mentioned one of the criticisms of the NMPs is, and I think sometimes we are people like me we are yeah. guilty of uh, romanticising the NMP scheme because I am quite a fan of an NMP scheme and I always say oh look at people like Anthea and brema yeah. and Walter and but you guys are in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> the majority, <laughs> the majority of NMPs people don't even know them. Oh, sometimes they, they coast along and sometimes they, because I mean, you were at the event as well, right? I think yes, M made, I don't know whether he was being cheeky, but he said he found that NMPs uh, rarely ever agree with the government. He mentioned it, yeah. but he also
1: made a point that they uh, they do not also disagree enough from his point of view with the opposition parties. I thought that was quite interesting. That right,
0: right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I've never felt that NMPs in general yeah. always disagree with the government. I mean, and definitely voting wise also, there's just no data to back that up, right? Uh, so. Would you say that the NMP scheme then legitimizes the, or it gives uh, less of an incentive for, for citizens to vote for the opposition?
1: The, the phrase that I used in the chapter, inconvenient convenience and convenient inconvenience, that is the problematic structuring of the NMP scheme it can become an easy way for us to believe that it is great for a parliamentary system. Right. And therefore, we know it tickles us, it nudges us, it pushes us a bit, but it's all right. It's an inconvenient, but we're getting something better out of it undeniably. We cannot deny that part too, huh? but it is also too convenient if we- it, we we can become conveniently what is the right word i don't want to use sedu- seduced by it we can also be conveniently uh, enthralled by the whole approach that it's it works therefore right. it needs to go on that is why i pitched it at 2040. I picked it at that time because I said the current teenagers in Singapore today, and I calculated from 13 years old to 19 years old, by the time 2040 comes, they are in the decade of their 30s. What are we going to give them? And why is that important for us to look at it? Because look at the global structuring, internal conflicts, economic issues, trade agreements, supply chains, is Shows. Is everyone getting the essentials? And I just watched BBC on Liz Truss trying, Prime Minister, British Prime Minister Liz Truss, trying to make an argument for this Um Rapid budget adjustment that they have made and justifying that it is good. I'm not an economist, but I'm wondering it is going to be quite tragic if it doesn't work. I think these are all the issues that we are facing and I urge everyone to read a uh, uh, DP, um, Senior Minister Starman's uh, speech because he has picked out all the nuggets of what so if this is what we are facing how are we going to prepare our next generation so going back to your earlier question the NMP scheme so- sooner or later has to go and I right. suggested by the end of the chapter that we also need an independent task force to look at our structure of parliament independent is the key operational word <laughs> it has to be so that what is going to take us into the future if we care enough about singapore sustainability our citizens we have to i think engage on these issues more deeply and bitingly i think that's quite important
0: who 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 are independent folks in singapore because it seems like it's so difficult to if in in a country where you know the state penetrates almost every institution and And even civil society, right? I mean, a lot of civil society organizations even initially were maybe critical of the government, but over time became more cooperative with the government as well. So uh, is there truly an independent... uh, I mean, there are some, but probably (laughs) these are people who never get... Positions on committees, anyway, right? So who, who are independent folks, uh, in your opinion, right? Yeah, I mean, if I were to uh, to give you the liberty, right? So, so you can choose. Who would you want on this committee, right? Who would who would you choose? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I I... other than (laughs) yourself.
1: And I, I think it it will sound scaringly like ho- a whole plethora of NMPs. Sorry, uh, no, I don't think that. Because of the group, think that when after a period of time, by ninth, when uh, a ninth member of um, I was in the ninth parliament, it was more loose how NMPs were there. By the tenth, it was group representation, which also I think one of the. Um, one of the NMPs has written about this that group representation can mean that you then go into your cocoon to just represent right. your group. Thing so you mean the se- from the cocoon. sector,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah,
1: now yeah. to go back to your question about independent, we need some of that group thinkers to, to do to share views but we also need our lay person uh, our uh, so called pedestrian we also need our lower end of the socioeconomic economic uh, class I think we need the, both the upper level of our society the middle band as well as the lower we need to engage our young we need to engage our uh, Persons growing older, so we need to develop a set of questions that we take on and robust them up. That we take it. So it means it is a process, but it has to. We have to decide that we really want to do this. What is the best parliamentary system that will take us into our future? So I also talked about the bicameral and the unicameral. Right, indeed. And I mentioned that Sweden, Netherlands... They are unicameral, and we do look up to them as having quite a good approach to democracy, to economic well-being, people well-being. I I think there are systems out there that we have to study. Academics who are in political science and watching parliamentary systems can contribute to that knowledge base. It is not, let's get a task force and let's um, go to bed and talk and dream about it and come out and give our answers. I think it's going to be a process. And one last part to the question. I'm also conscious of time because I, I run the risk. Of it's off okay. No, much. carry on. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I feel that your, the whole process of consultation is very. I think this is one of. I read somewhere in some article a lovely work that I took down, patterned approach, and cannot find it. Patterned approach. We have to break out of patterned approaches to how we do our consultations. So when we invite CSOs, for example, or we invite anybody from whatever strata to get their feedback on what they see a parliamentary system to be like, uh, working from now to envisage it for 2040s, I do think who are the people we bring to the table? It cannot always be a choice by the government. Right. And even if you are what we I put in inverted commas troublesome. I think that person right. has to come in, and right. the views such, such as who. Such as, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, there are name names, but once you name, people, you don't another, they will think hey, you didn't see me. Yeah,
0: so yeah, 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 but, yeah. But I think
1: some of our I, our friends. Are, I, word troublemakers because I think it is so laden with judgment. But anyway, and there is this cocoon of people whom are seen to be troublemakers. Yeah, yeah. So I think how we do that consultation with them, and should we use that word consultation, should we should it be just the word open-ended share read up we share with you knowledge that of systems now let's dream together and then from the dream let's cut down to the kernel what can work for us and how do we develop our country going forward I think all that is important and on the risk of people saying that oh Brahma is always an idealist she fantasizes about this I think we have also talked a lot in Singapore about we have to become problems identify the problem and work towards finding a solution I feel that Carrying on in this convenient convenience convenient inconvenience uh, of the NMP scheme is not going to help us grow more strongly in our parliamentary system. We need to give space for opposition political parties. To get their act together, I'm tired of opposition political parties having internal problems and then people resigning and all sorts of stuff. I think get the act together, consolidate and move more forward. I think that's important. And at the same time, engage. Communications is so important. How you engage with the citizens. Last, not lastly, but the other area, citizens. I think citizens. We need to know and become more empowered on what we want for our own future, not for my future. For these teenagers that I ended off, my conclusion was these teenagers who will be in their range of thirties in 2040, and they we have to prepare the world for them. Yeah, right. right. So. So I hope I have sort of answered your yes yes definitely. <laughs> yes definitely
0: definitely definitely so yeah. uh, uh thank you for that that was really comprehensive and i also i mean i definitely, i wanna uh, yep. uh, express my support for what what you just said as well. I do think that sometimes in the uh in the dialogues, right no matter how well intentioned uh, the the selection determines the outcome already. Uh, in terms of who you call to the dialogue then those are the answers that you're gonna get you already sort of know the answers right and if you don't engage the so-called troublemakers right then uh, you are I think one of the ways to actually make them feel Hmm. belong and make them uh, is by including them in the in the system right and uh, and stop I, I guess we should stop treating people who disagree with us as enemies right or or as even the the word troublemaker. I I know I know Anthea she she likes being called troublemaker. She embraces the term. But I guess not not uh not everybody is is willing and able to do that. So I think uh we, we definitely or the government definitely needs to do more of that. Uh engaging people and I but partly also wouldn't you say that civil society organizations also uh mm-hmm. Are to blame when they are always so it's it's sort of a conundrum for them right so on one hand if you don't engage you don't get a seat uh, if you're if you're not at the table you're on the menu right uh, so this was that uh, I, I got from someone Hajar said that uh, and if you're not on the table you're on the menu so on one hand you want to sit at the table on the other hand there's also something to be said about solidarity right like oh okay if so and so and so I if I'm not invited then I don't want to be uh, mm. But it's always a conundrum, and you are a, a veteran in this scene, right? How do you, I'm sure you've come across uh, such situations in your activism before, right? And how did you navigate, uh, and what would your advice be to civil society organizations or activists? Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we could swap places here. Yes. I mean, I mean, to uh, to mapping it, uh maybe, maybe because there will always be gaps in even in mapping it. I think we have to look at our early history. Uh, I will go back to the women's movement, huh? the Singapore Council um oh, I forgot the name of the current Singapore Council of Women's Or organization. Right. Of, yeah. Oh, it had another name. Now they were the ones who worked very hard against the polygamy and they met the the present ruling party right uh, and they had lots of discussions with them but it's interesting that one of our first woman parliamentarians was madame chan choi seong she was on the ruling party PAP's ticket and she pushed quite hard in parliament for monogamy women's charter i'm citing that as an example of how people sector in this case primarily women right? With a lot of women leaders in it, strong women leaders, working with the government. And then we have a parliamentarian who tabled and who managed to get uh, polygamy, uh, at least it is still there, but you need to get permission and all that if you want. But at least it cut out at that time the system of having some of the men, especially those uh, richer ones, having concubines. Because when they pass on, the children and the, and the other wives or other women are left hard uh, for cash and for livelihood maintenance and everything. So that's one example. But over the years, the 1980s and the 1990s, we saw a mushrooming of—not mushrooming—it's too strong. We saw more, uh, more CSOs. <laughs> Uh, that being aware and I think action for AIDS too was, I, I'm trying to remember the years now. So a few more came up but of course then we had the Marxist conspiracy, the operation spectrum that made every many people feel I better step back but where are we today? And Then of course uh, along the way we had um, HOME, we had TWC too, we had a lot of work going on under the faith based groups whether it's the... Buddhist group, yes, it is the Catholic group, and then we have of course later on Marwa, but I think today where are we is what I'm fascinated by and we, are, we cannot even start uh, uh, tab, uh, tabulating it. But a lot of E groups have come up. And they are not registering themselves by applying to the registry of societies, etc. They are functioning as an e-network of individuals. I think that is beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And one of them that we all know, Transformative Justice uh, Collective, Of yeah. research that they are Pushing out the kind of interviews that they are doing, the kind of advocacy and challenging the state on its approach to the death penalty, both conceptually and modus operandi. Why is it that one after another, I exaggerated a bit, but of course it was very fast, quite a number were hanged to death right? I think that is, to me, fascinating. And when Yale NUS was fully functioning under the old schema, we had a lot of young students, uh, as they pursued their undergrad and all that, engaging with different CSOs and all the rest uh, to to develop uh, discussion points and all the rest of it, which is all very good. But where is our weakness? Our weakness is still civil society, and state dialogue. This is, as you also described it earlier, it is a special pathway. Are you in that pathway or you're not in that pathway? My own personal experience, I have been in that pathway and I've also not been, (laughs) right? And here I would just like to cite one example and I didn't ask this person for permission. I hope he doesn't mind. Prof Tomiko, when we did the work as the working committee too, before we registered and became transient workers count too. At that time, the migrant worker discussion was still a high resistance discussion, not only at state level, sometimes at some point I felt that the state was more open, but the people sector right. why are you advocating right. for domestic Worker. So we have moved on, uh, which is good. We have moved on. 2022, we are better. We are on Miss Party's side, that whatever trials she went through it ought not have happened to her we have moved quite a bit a bit people sector the public and i think covid brought a lot of us out to say oh my goodness i didn't know that this was their dormitory oh food supplies whatever whatever i'm there the physical nature of volunteering has gone up but going back to the issue so because I was also an NMP, this is where the usefulness is, which is what I also wrote in the chapter. I did many other things as an MP. I raised social work issues and all the rest of it. But on the issue of uh, me being an NMP, I sought... Prof. Tommy because he was very happy that this issue was coming up but what he did was quite to me phenomenal he called he said you get the other actors I will get the government representatives he invited different ministries to the table I brought in the domestic workers I brought in uh, me meaning the working committee too We brought in embassy representatives. We brought in some nature of, uh, you know, we had informal groups uh, that were representing domestic workers under the embassy. That roundtable discussion that we had was, I think, a page turner. Because the, the civil servants or civil service officers round the table had never heard, in my view, uh, domestic speak, workers three domestic workers who spoke very well about what they are going through the embassy representatives also shared data because they have a complaints mechanism that i think really woke up quite a number of people around the table now this is an informal discourse but in a way prof tomiko did his usual mediator role and i found that quite a page turner we need more of that i was
0: because... just going to ask how many tomikos we have in you think ah, in the
1: so oh. I'm, it's a good question that you have asked all of us will grow very quickly to have that stature of prof tomiko he's 80-something, huh? that's one. Two, he has built up his whole career through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, being at UN and being at other international political, as our international uh, representative. But it doesn't mean that we only have to rely and give that kind of stature to Prof. Tomiko. There are the mediators. So it goes back to your earlier question: To what extent are we going to drop our defense mechanisms that are very strong and embrace? We got to unfold. We got to open up. And mistakes will happen. You exactly. give somebody some kind of okay. You are you function like a prof tomico, whatever that means. And that person makes mistakes. It is okay it is okay. Let's go back to our focus discussion. Did we get our main three points, five points? And so how can we develop it? I think that is where we have to be. I have picked up quite a lot of these possibilities when I started working in Marwa, uh, more in the region, ASEAN level. Because there are 10 member states and they all have different governmental systems. Some are quite are not at all democratic and some are democratic and yet civil society groups, academics, uh, government representatives, there's a lot of navigation that is taking place. Sometimes it's an utter failure. Sometimes you move at least two steps. Today you move two steps forward, the next day you go back to what? It's a regression again but I think that kind of level of engagement in my view is important it doesn't then mean that Singapore is not happening at all and that would be too too um, disastrous I think things happen but it happens on a level of priority so if we have now ratified the CRPD convention on the rights of people with disabilities now we have to Singapore is good when you ratify an international convention. Therefore, we got to develop our work plan, our action points, etc. We got to engage the community. Now, please come. Let's talk seriously because you are important. You are going to be the deliver on the ground. But I think that cannot be the only pattern. There must be no patterns too. Bring the people, talk. Right. And I think I have found over the years sometimes. You see a wonderful window that I think can open up. Then after a while, the window gets the opening right. gets narrower and narrower. And I have gone to some meetings with the state and I have said, oh, no, I said this. Maybe I shouldn't, but it's good that I said, it. oh, no, not another flip chart. <laughs> One of the top civil service officers looked at me. You have brought in quite a number of people into this room who are the word experts is also, who know what is going on in the on the ground surely we don't need a flip chart uh, to exactly. document points right so how do you relate your relatability, your respect that these are folks on the ground? They may tell you things that you already know. You have developed all your answers, but they are still going to keep telling you stuff because, and they will give you suggestions. So I feel, some of it it will be repeat broadcasts, of course. But that door must remain more open than more narrow.
0: Right. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, so that's that's really I think your your experience and wisdom really came out through that. Through that answer, and um, you know, you you mentioned that you've witnessed. It seems like sometimes the door is opening, and then suddenly it gets na- narrower, right? I think this is the thing that uh, we we must be uh, more cognizant of. This I think society must be more cognizant that change is not it's not unidirectional, and it doesn't happen by chance. I mean, it takes a lot of effort. Right? Democracy is requires a lot of work. Right? You cannot just expect oh. People are gonna. People are more liberal. People are more. Uh, they 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 want more political openness. Therefore, it will happen. I mean, it, it's not it's not as easy as that, right? Uh, and I think I I really want to get back to the NMP later, but I I just wanted to ask you on on this on the civil <laughs> society. Uh, what where do you think we are at now? Do you think it's it's better today? Because on on one hand, it's definitely better because you mentioned the the online space where people are doing things where they don't. Have to be registered, you know, under the ROS. And uh, shout out to Lepak Conversations. I'm not sure whether you have uh, followed them. Yeah. So they they are they are pretty good. Just just two young women uh, doing it. Uh, yeah. And I think there are many many such spaces, right? Uh, online. But on the other, you see that uh, there seems to be a tightening of space uh, in other areas as so, well. So where do you think uh, we are at now?
1: on a very good day of optimism, high optimism, yeah, on a good path, then on a day when I read something and double check against the speech, then I go, mm, wow. <laughs> so I do think that that level of fluctuation happening over and over again, right? So the recent discussion on the repeal of the 3 a it took a very long time right for something and i'm 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 the former president of maruwa and everything from 2007 till uh 2021 i've been on the exco right so now i'm a member so when i talk i talk about those years uh, when i i feel when we start slowly and it's all evolution even at the civil society a level that you are growing in your own experience, the more you listen, the more you read, different parts are coming into a pattern. so when one understands deeply what it means to the rights of a person that we kept denying. Um, our l b g t community, the repeal for so long, I do think is already quite disastrous in in my view, and I do understand the sentiments of people uh, who are strongly tuned to the faith, yeah, but at the same time, Singapore is secular. So if we follow secularism and we follow our pledge and we follow this, then it is a given. But it took a long time before even an unenforceable law by the state. The state decided not to enforce it, that it took a long time for the repeal process to begin. But now we have another conundrum, the word that you used earlier. Now, uh, amendment to the constitution. Article 12. Now, Article 12 did not just come from the advocacy work on 377A. It also came from the women's side under CEDAW, the convention of the election of blah 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 of all forms of discrimination against women. We found that regardless of race, language and religion there's no gender so there needs to be an amendment on our constitution for that. But that means recognizing gen- different types of gender identity and different forms of sexual orientation. So what are we doing? We are now going to amend the constitution to define marriage. The, it's almost like if you you asked me earlier, right, how does one feel? I feel, oh goodness, it's going back. So what right. will our- define marriage now what is the norm that we are setting for marriage
0: but oh, don't don't you, for... you think on this on this it's purely an electoral issue on the part of the government
1: okay i'll come to that so yeah. just just give me a, a sorry bit.
0: sorry yeah yeah carry on carry on yeah. all
1: right. yeah. it's all right so on the um, on the def- uh, redefining marriage it will be that we are going to say what is the value, the normative process to what we are going to recognize. So there will be a whole group of people who will not be recognized under a legal union. You can live in partnership and as long as you're quiet about it. So again, there will be marginalization of the community. So is this then, and I think this is the next step that you have to fight for. How long will it take? I don't know this could be an electoral um, getting your ground secured for elections of course but it also will be often put to us that we got this is the best way of keeping everyone in Singapore a tiny country like Singapore at peace with one another but I am saying then what is the best way for all of us to really uh, wrap? Our no, uh, and wrap myself, for example, onto a peace platform. I know that your views are very different from mine, and yet, I have to give you that space that you hold your views. You also have to give me the peace bridge is always a dynamic one. It can also be nebulous, but by this state level approach of maintaining peace. It can be good in its own way. We don't rock the boat at all. But I also feel it's time for us to grow and up in a way and handle it. And if really tomorrow somebody, it's already happening on social media. I've read some of the stuff and I go, wow, once people start beating that drum, it just goes into uh, no more rationalization stops it becomes emotive words it becomes bad language etc what are my coping skills how do i not engage i think these are all the important training programs we have to float on the ground and right. therefore Schools become very important. I'm very happy the Minister of Education is saying, let's lessen the examination phenomena, etc. But I, like others that I have read, what then should be in our curriculum? If we are so digitized and I can access knowledge, more important is how I moderate on the knowledge. How do I find my fixed points of value systems as I work through I so? And we have gone to Finland a few times to learn at, from them. And I want to know, how are we putting it into place? Right. So there are many parts. So the frustration will be, and I understand the NMPs. I've read through all of the uh, essays there. Many feel, oh, there's so much more that one can give. I agree totally. But it has to go to the elected politician. You right. put your name up, I have to be convinced by you you know right
0: yeah. okay so so thank you for that uh, just just one <laughs> comment just one comment i i think i i completely agree this this i mean social media and is is pretty new right in human evolution right and unfortunately much of our interaction with other people is on social media and this on social media the norms are completely different right half the things we say online to another person, we are debating. If we would never say to that person in person, right? So I think what really, what really needs to happen is more in-person debates, like where you see each other. Where people will, even if you hold completely opposing views, right? You are just nicer to each other, right? There's just really some. I mean, you give that person like at, at least some human dignity when you are debating in person. But when when it's faceless, online, right, anything goes. So I really think. Uh, even though I myself do engage in a lot of online debate, unfortunately, unnecessarily so, also a lot of times, I really think that we should have more, or even like this, right, where we can see each other, and even if we disagree, I know, mm. uh, we will, we will at least still be cordial to each other. So I definitely agree with you. I, I am also, I don't know whether you are, but it sounds like you are a little. I'm a tech skeptic, uh, so I don't think like embracing technology every single time, right? Uh, is is a good thing, right? In classrooms, sometimes old school is still best. For instance, um, so yeah, so just based and and thank you for uh, relating it back to the NMP, right? So wouldn't wouldn't you think that even in a situation that you described in twenty forty, where hopefully the opposition matures, the government also politically matures, and Singapore society politically matures. Even in such a situation, right, where you have maybe a strong PAP, but also a strong opposition, whatever that opposition looks like, wouldn't you think there is space for unelected MPs who do not have to pander to the electorate on some issues, right? And these are the ones Mm -hmm. that they can fight for the people on the fringe, whatever that fringe is, because the fringe will also change as societal norms change. Whereas elected politicians, they would have to pander to the median voter and NMPs or unelected officials do not have to. Well, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I, I would like to say, I don't know. I don't know. That's the truth, right? I feel if we, that word, I have a problem, right? Evolution, maturity, we are 57 years old right and the ruling party came in in 1959 so that's 63 years 63 years i am in my 60s and then i'm going oh god i am ready to like hello let me (laughs) off you know and here we are here we are are we still a young nation there must definitely be our own levels of whether we want to be considered middle age, the 60s is the new 30s. Okay, I grant it. We are in <laughs> now. But definitely the spaces have to be opened up. Our media has to play a bigger, larger role. Agreed. I read deep interest. I still subscribe to The Straits Times because I Me work. Yeah. yeah. And yet, two days ago, there was a whole... Um, page on the conference that they are attending in spain and i read through the story oh it's gripping it's invigorating it gives you energy we want that here and those spaces have to open up i find it i'm not bean counting so i stand corrected by anybody out there who's doing the bean counting <laughs> the top of privileges right i find that the space given to the uh, the opposition party has diminished somewhat even photographs have diminished and i haven't done my bean counting but i've noticed it and if so why so you get their stuff when you engage on their facebook and know, oh that was asked etc so for us to get into onto this platform this level of engagement our media needs to become evenly balanced social media is doing part of it and coming back to your question then social media is disruptive as well as it it gives us information i feel therefore the training of how we deal with information is important and you said something very important what you say to someone face-to-face, eye-to-eye, is very different from what you put on social media. I have been caught up, not in bad language. I have received some, of course. But I have made mistakes, and people correct me, and I apologize. But some of them, when they correct me, they take a swipe. I do not engage on the swipe until it gets very right. close. Then you have to engage on the swipe. So I feel, would you say that to me, if we are talking face exactly. to. Our values, our decorum must come back to the forefront. Who can do that? Me, individually. Teachers, society, civil society, media. We have to call out on that. But I feel this to me is the part that I worry most about uh, us in Singapore. That we are loosening a lot. It's becoming, not loosening, it's becoming loose. Our our framing of our value systems and how we operate on it at the ground level. I think this is the part that worries me because A, we are highly congested. We are running all the time. And therefore, what is the space I'm giving to another person? Do I give the space or I just want to climb over and get on with things? I'm talking even about social. Environments. I find this is the part. If we are not looking at our mobile phones all the time, but looking around at us and looking at people behavior, I do think it is of concern. It is of concern. Whether you're a motorist on the road, a pedestrian, a shopkeeper, a shopper in a shop, etc., I find that we are dealing with a lot of tensions. And that is why I think we have many many um explosions and implosions that take different forms of aggr- levels of aggression so something we need to address we are calling it on mental health i don't know because is it a well being issue that we are talking about people's well being so i don't know whether i have gone off the question
0: no 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 no, no. i think i think you are right so i think the last part what you said i think those are existential questions right because Anyone who 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 drives would know that Singaporean drivers are always impatient, including myself when I'm on the road. it's almost as if we are always rushing for something, and and sometimes the kindness isn't there as well. And and you were linking it back to there's something deeper there, right? Why do we why do we behave like that? And and the behaviours online we see it's not exactly separate from all those the all of those other unkind behaviors that we see in society right so no no you've given uh, me definitely a lot of uh things to think about um uh so would you would you then say that this this deep uh i don't know cultural problem what would you say what what is that uh where where did that come from is it is it uh uh, Extreme I, meritocracy? Or what? what is it?
1: Oh, I really can uh, on this cause and effect thing. You know, causes. <laughs> I, I think it's multi-causes. And I worry about this, whether our young people, there's a growing sense of a disbelief in the system. I think, and if so, why? And if so, what is triggering them like, you know, I, I find there's quite an uh, looking at newspaper reports and social media, a bit of a higher incidence of aggression among our teenagers and all. something is out of sync. Is it? Is it just family? Is it just school? Is, is it that we are not, I, I go back to what I kept raising as a reporter and in parliament, What are our support structures within our uh, social system? Have we put enough of a budget on it? Have we trained enough officers so that our proportion of people working with our different communities, whether it's children, young people and our older folks is higher? Uh, are we having too few that are dealing with too many? I still remember my speech, and I, I now we are now how many years later? I when I did it, I was shocked to find out that one social worker was handling about 300 cases per year. Divide by 12, that's a no, huge number of cases to work with, and have a time period. So, highly stressful. What is the situation today? I think we are going through quite a number of stresses at the social level. Therefore, what are our resources that we are pumping in? What is the budget? What are our training approaches? We are running after uh, people growing older that was surfaced long ago. I I was a reporter in the mid-90s already surfaced at that time and a bit before my time. We are now 2022. Yes, we are engaging now. But why this huge time lag? Experts, I wasn't an expert. I was quoting experts, researchers. If experts have said it, then what was our timeline to dealing with it? So I think this is where I feel the citizens have to ask more, have to engage more and if I quit vote for you I you are accountable to me as a citizen. So whenever the media keeps running to NMPs, I'm not saying it's wrong, but then that is becomes the, uh, the right, camp- right that becomes the camouflage. Understand. Yeah,
0: have- yeah, yeah. And it, it's almost a drug also, right? Then you don't have to yeah. call the yeah, yeah, you don't have to call the elected politicians to account as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally get what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: And the elected MP must know, not give the reporter a hard time. You are expected to answer. And if hate 2 meaning the ruling party doesn't allow you to answer, our media must say when contacted, the MP didn't didn't right. give. <laughs>
0: but
1: we have dropped that line totally. No, no, no comment from the government body, no comment from an elected MP. We have dropped it. So I feel these are all the tools that we need to And there are many stakeholders who have to play their part, and we have to assert and activate and keep asking these questions over and over again. Otherwise, twenty forty, this will continue. The peace team will continue, and we will not have a robust enough parliamentary system. And I put there in my chapter that we have an XL-sized parliament. I right. I, some of the elected MPs, I do not know all of them. And then yeah, yeah. National Day, when I look at the box, <laughs> that you know, yeah, a
0: right.
1: team, yeah, that you yeah. don't know,
0: yeah. Right. So I, I think to, to act on your advice, right. I just wanted to say that I have invited many PAP MPs uh, to this show, but when contacted, they declined to come. come <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, but, I mean, okay, I mean, I'm not the mainstream media, right, so there's nothing I can do, but I guess, I guess, for people from the street times, I mean that's maybe they also underestimate the the power that they have, right, people from the mainstream media this these media outlaws they. They, yes, for sure there's a power imbalance. There will always be when you're dealing with the state, right? But don't underestimate, I suppose, the power they have also. I mean, they shouldn't underestimate the power they have. Uh, and also, I just wanted to say, on I thought the media was has been moving in the right di- direction with, uh, with regard to opposition coverage, especially in 2020, the election. But you're completely right. The COP, I mean, you saw a completely... I was very disappointed in the coverage. Uh, so i i actually had a couple more things but we only have about 4 or 5 minutes right so just just briefly right the grc right mm. so so you are against it right i think even even uh, uh as part of your work uh, uh in maroa you have uh, talked about the electoral system quite a bit and uh but if we are not if racism still exists right and uh there's there's racial there's racial stereotypes. All of this still exists, right? Why wouldn't the GRC be a safeguard against racial voting?
1: Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a very good question because I have to know my answer, which I don't. How far have we come in our social co- cohesiveness? We talk about racial harmony. Today. We talk about we are all together, one united people etc. But I have written that chapter in um, uh, Rico Baksong's book
0: yes. uh,
1: on racism and I'm pulling out some stuff from there. I, I feel that how we address issues of racism has to come under very clearly. You are in person. I'm a person. You're a citizen. I'm a citizen. You're a foreigner, but you're still a person. Therefore, that dignity issue, the rights issue has to be at the forefront. So what are we doing in our early childhood classes? What are we doing in our kindergarten? What are we doing in the primary schools? All the way that track must be there. And have we Overplaced it with the ray or displaced it even with the racial harmony day. Even back then in parliament, I think I did ask this question about racial harmony day and what forms, and I did my homework by looking at the scene. And yet I was told, oh, a lot happens on Racial Harmony Day by the then Education Minister. I already know and I itemized it. But today I hear that schools are doing more research-based stuff, etc. But after that, what do we do with it? How are we talking about discrimination? We are going to have an entire Discrimination Act. Is it still going to be under Act? It shouldn't be because anti-discrimination uh, discrimination takes place across society, not only at the workplace. So I think these are the tenets for the next level of our engagement as a citizen. Now, coming back to your question, I think this is a fundamental bedrock. When I was in school, I have been so blessed, both home and school, in tandem, this was my bedrock then complemented that with the books I read. Today, is that our bedrock? I want to know through education, through the media, through ministries' responses, are we having that bedrock? And that is crucial to me in the early formative years of a child. Second part, yesterday's newspaper showed us our population figures. Right. We are 3.5 million citizens, but we have a whole lot of uh, different people in our society. That is diversity. To what extent are we also bringing that into the discussion outside of the politics of you taking my job, which is quite nonsensical (sighs) at one? Because none of us want to go and be a uh, cleaner at the HDB block because the wages are too low. I think if the, that's another separate issue, but I'm uh, separate but important issue. What I'm saying is we have to also take this: what is our co- uh, combination of people in our country and how we're responding to each other? I think that's quite crucial. Now the last part that you asked politically. Will we survive? Will it become an all-Chinese parliament? Then I would I would ask this political party, you, you cannot find an Indian, a Malay, a, a European, an American who's a citizen, a Malaysian who's now a Singapore citizen. You can't. What is your scanning? How are you finding your candidates? I will ask of all political parties. Lastly, citizen. When you vote, are you seeing? Oh, that person is not the same color skin as me. It applies to both a minority or oh, that one. I do not want hit the majority. Sure. I think this is going to be our test. We did it in our early years. It is our test. We have to put ourselves to the test. I believe the Singaporean will rise above it.
0: Right. I believe so so. Yeah. so. so, thank you. And I, I think you're right. I mean, if if. Uh, without the GRC, then the the parties cannot feel, uh minority candidates who can win. Right? Then it's really an indictment of the parties. Right? So that part, I I definitely agree. The 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 faith in Singaporeans, uh, I I am agnostic about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <but, but>, <laughs> On a bit
1: haywire. If you are just <laughs> one minute, I feel the over the over that we have placed on the mother tongue that has been our derailment i mean i've been in environments i'm i'm paying for a course that i love i really love it it's a recreational course i am on ha somewhere along the line i will find that my dear chinese friends will start talking to each other in mandarin then i'm then i'm thinking now when am i going to start telling them i miss your jokes why don't you speak english when you can speak english i haven't reached because i'm waiting and i will say it it's up to me to say it because you have gone you have a cloud cover over you yeah you think it's acceptable i'm sorry it is not acceptable so the state this goes back to my very first bit that i opened with the state has to be the arbiter uh, the former prime minister lee kuan yu strict disciplinarian harsh some of the things i just go and i scratch my head right but arbiter this is not acceptable but yet he was also the person who introduced the mother tongue approach huh? and uh, and really entrenched it right so, so you
0: think the the mother tongue policy the bilingual policy has has done us harm has done multiracialism harm you
1: it, think it it is like uh, discussing race and faith right sometimes it's so hard to separate the two mm-hmm. but yet they are separate so race and mother tongue can be separate, but if you fuse it, then it becomes, how do you want to operate on uh, diversity and inclusion? It can become, you see? So our sensitization to how we use our languages. I could be a great Tamil speaker, but if I just, with other people in the group, I start talking only in Tamil, then I'm telling all of you, you're not important to this conversation. Our sensitivity is important. And what do we have? We have inherited, whether we like, we want to be talking about colonization or whatever, we inherited the neutral language of English. It's neutrality. Neutrality is good. It keeps us cohesive. It keeps us being united as a community of people. So I think this is where we need to, Bring it back to some middle ground, and we have mm. to do all that under that bedrock that I talked about etiquette, uh, politeness, being right. sensitive to other people's needs etc yeah
0: so so brima the the anecdote you just shared wouldn't that be a case uh, an evidence uh, in favor of of having the GRC rather than abolishing? Because society is still like that and you see people will retreat to, even if it's not racial, there is this linguistic sometimes connection that people have. So wouldn't you say that that is actually making a case for the GRC?
1: Uh, It's making a case for us to be, to know more than one language or two languages. I know quite a number of Indians who are very good in their mandarin i know uh, one uh, right you know one malay person who's good at mandarin but i'm not saying therefore the bilingualism has to be. i'm saying i'm saying there are two parts there's the cultural language that you need for your own identity but what then right. is our culture with our intermarriages and everything it's lovely i love the mix up that we are living in it's beautiful cultural language to to say this is your identity marker. One part, have we talked about it enough? Second part, the language of economy. If I am aiming that I really want my businesses to be in Germany, I want to pick up German. I want to pick up I want to pick up Vietnamese or whatever, right? So who then is the candidate? Going back to that question that you asked, if the candidate with the body language, his or her body language, with her compassion, his compassion, with being engaged with me and on the podium during rallies and all that can speak in good English. Remember JBJ, huh? he could only speak English. Huh? And if we can have a candidate who can also speak English plus one of the more commonly used language, then what is the problem? What is right. the This overemphasis becomes erasure. You don't have it. You know, oh, speak Mandarin, cancel. Then the, the problem also lies with us. Our indicators of who we want, what we want. Last part to that, I, I'm not, not last part. That, <laughs>
0: it's okay. Carry on, carry on. Yeah.
1: The Meet the People session. The Meet the People session was started by David Marshall. And he started it when I read the book by uh, Kevin Tan, Dr. Kevin Tan. Uh, when I read the book, very clear the parameters and the rationale for starting it. We do not know what's happening at the ground. So I need to go and find out. We need to meet the people. Today, I'm not so sure what is the structuring of our Meet the People session. Off the cuff and here and there, I hear, oh, they have to really answer to everybody's inconvenience. Anything becomes an inconvenience, you have to write the letter to the different ministries. So, citizen, why do? You, what is the crucial need that you need to see an MP? So, All that comes under what are we structuring for our people? It becomes demand and supply. Who said this? I don't know. So when people ask me, why don't I become a politician? I say, I will lose. I don't have patience for this. (laughs) If you have a brain full of cockroaches, (laughs) you're not coming to see the MP to ask about it, right? Absolutely. Tougher and sterner issues that are more legislative, so yeah. that is the bicameral system. I said our elected MP has to move more into that legislative frame, and you can have council, you can have second layer to run town councils and support structures. Okay, but that's another deeper. I put it Not, in. Chapter. Yeah.
0: No, I, I I I agree. I think the MPs also serves to. Elevate the MP's status as if as as a patron, right? Oh, I'm the one who can solve this particular problem, and even though most of the time the the request probably gets rejected anyway, right? But but they still say, oh my MP is doing something something for me. But also if the help is on a case by case basis, and it's not. Uh, at a policy level there's also something wrong (laughs) Uh, so the person who doesn't see the MP doesn't get the help then or uh, similar circumstances so how does it work right but anyway so so I agree with with, uh, that criticism Uh, but I would say that most bicameral legislatures right not not the US maybe but many not many but many bicameral legislatures they have unelected members of parliament as well yeah
1: Uh, so going back to your earlier question yeah so if this so-called independent has force and consultations, maybe that's one way. So we have a smaller team. I'm not saying that should be the way, this is just my view. Uh, smaller <laughs> elected MPs and the council level, etc. People who are engaged with the people in meeting their needs, whether it's cockroaches or whatever. They're all important. But I, I think how an MP's role has to be also got to be maybe looked at, reviewed. I
0: completely agree. I I mentioned this uh in the episode with Anthea as well. Uh, we have I think diminished the actual role of an MP, which is to represent the constituents in in Parliament, right? The yeah. parliamentary role, right, is almost uh not emphasized. It's undermined, I think, in some cases. And people ask, what? But what can your MP really do for you, right? terms of mosquitoes and walkways when all of these things you government agencies can do them you don't need elected representatives to do that I think it's a waste of talent I mean it says so in the job description right member of parliament (laughs) you're supposed to be in parliament and representing people and talking about the bigger picture issues but I think we have I think it's a redefining of the role of an MP that Singaporeans have also bought into I think uh, and when we continue to seek, like, when anything goes wrong, oh, as the MP, right? As the MP, right? I think we are also playing into the system.
1: And not only ask the MP, sorry, the mosquito problem is not solved. I do think you got to seek <laughs> <laughs> but, but MP has become a little, uh, what's the right word? We have made it larger. Every yeah. opening, please, guests of honor, etc., cetera, et cetera need an event.
0: Huh? Yeah.
1: So it is all a little bit of a mishmash in a way and that's why I think the mainstream media needs to, to become, have deeper insights.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think many years ago, uh, Professor Hussein Montalil actually wrote, uh, wrote a, a letter to times It was published and he was even suggesting that he doesn't understand why when MPs come into an event, people have to stand up. He says that's there's, there's no reason like, he was basically making a similar similar argument to you, like as in yeah. we don't need to raise the level of yeah.
1: I totally agree with that. I, I, I find that if I don't stand up, I'm gonna be the only one. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I feel peer For pressure the- also the- to <laughs>
1: Protocols have gone a bit haywire.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So thank you so much. We, we exceeded the time, but it was such a lovely conversation. You are clearly a, a very wise person, and I, I learned know. a lot from. No, really, really, really. And I, I learned a lot from this conversation. Why,
1: sir, by the way.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Reva. I really appreciate it. You. And good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.